0: My name is Scott Chaloner and you are listening to the Leaders' Council podcast for the people who run the country and the people who keep the country running. Now, as regular listeners of our show will know very well, part of our mission here at the Leaders' Council is to bring you a variety of distinct perspectives on leadership. And to this end, I'm delighted to welcome renowned business coach Vic Williams onto the programme today. Uh, Vic, a very warm welcome to you and thanks for joining us.
1: G'day, Scott, and good day to your listeners. Um, yeah, fantastic to be here. Thank you very much for the opportunity.
0: Yeah, and it's a privilege for me welcoming you onto the, uh, the show as well. And uh, just for those listeners that uh, may not be familiar with Vic, um, he notably works in his coaching with uh, dyslexic and other neurodiverse entrepreneurs and SME business owners. And he founded the Audacious Training Company, which focuses on things like change leadership, change management, and LinkedIn training. I suppose, Vic, that's probably the... Uh, the succinct description of what it is that you do, but perhaps you could expand upon that for us and just tell us a little bit more.
1: Yeah, thanks, Scott. I appreciate that. Um, yeah, that's probably the, um, the 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 easiest version to go with. Um, <laughs> it's it's quite a lot of stuff that I do as a as a coach and as a consultant um, to businesses of various sizes. Uh firstly there's the, the obviously the neurodiverse side working with entrepreneurs that work from home um and and small SME business owners. But also I work with companies that have um staff that are dyslexic or ADHD or have other neurodiverse conditions, um but don't themselves know how to deal with those uh, those staff members, don't know how to work with them, don't know how to coach them, don't know how to encourage them or to get the best out of them. So uh, those are kind of the two environments I primarily work in, but I do also work with um, a lot of clients in, in countries like uh, Dubai and Oman and Saudi Arabia and Malaysia, um, primarily on these things, but also on on a wide variety of other sort of topics, mainly in the change leadership, change management space. So that's probably um, uh, yeah, a broad outline of what I do. I'm also an author, got a podcast, Um, and generally keep myself out of trouble
0: that's certainly good to know the uh, the latter thing as well it's important <laughs> isn't it sometimes um, that you don't always sort of stick your head above the parapet in business although sometimes it certainly is uh, it is necessary and uh yeah absolutely. i, I yeah. suppose um what sort of immediately struck me there about uh, some of the work that you do vic is and um, the work that you do with sort of not just neurodiverse entrepreneurs but also sort of entrepreneurs that may not um sort of uh, have neurodiversity themselves but may have staff yeah. who are dyslexic for instance and i suppose that's about sort of creating a more inclusive business culture isn't it so of teaching them Correct. how to deal with those stuff and there's a lot of benefit to be yeah. had from that
1: yeah absolutely um I, I had a conversation to to give you an example i had a conversation the other day with a, a client who, uh, or a potential client who owns a construction company um and none of these directors um or shareholders are neurodiverse although um for me that's a little bit debatable but you know they don't um uh, think they are they, they've never been diagnosed they don't have most of the common traits but um, in his management team for so the second tier down a lot of these site managers uh, a lot of these foremen um, have uh, various conditions like dyslexia ADHD dyscalculia all those sort of things and he's been having uh, a lot of problems getting them to do things in a way that work for him and his board of directors. For Mm. example, they want weekly reports out of them. And most people who've got dyslexia or ADHD asking them to do a weekly report is an absolute flipping nightmare. Um, and, And so what we were talking about is looking at alternative ways in which to get the numbers that they need rather than, you know, like a formulaic type report. Uh, to make it easier to, to work with the person's condition rather than work against it. Mm-hmm. And so um, it's all about provoking those kind of thoughtful discussions um, in in the clients or in the, the, the C-suite, if you want, uh, in their minds to understand what they can do to draw out the best in their people. And at the end of the day, I think that's probably what we all want, isn't it?
0: Yes, it certainly is, and uh, that it sort of brings me nicely onto sort of one of the books that you uh, that you've written as well, Vic. That um, mm. obviously you've, you've kind of alluded to them um, already. One of those is audacious leadership, and that's how to become right. a leader that's thought um, with different things, bold. Innovative, inventive, and also unconstrained by previous ideas. And that scenario that you've given me there, it ties into the fourth bit, doesn't it? So it's like it's moving away from the previous ideas of sort of making somebody who is neurodiverse do sort of a generic report that could be expected of anyone. And then I suppose the innovative bit, the number two there, that comes in for sort of when you're implementing sort of a solution that then works for them and also works for you as the business leader as well.
1: Correct. Yeah, absolutely. So those those sort of um, four concepts um, are are for me what the word audacious encapsulates.
0: Mm-hmm. So
1: for me, the word audacious means um, uh, to be bold. Uh, and and if you want to be a leader and you want to lead people who have those neurodiverse conditions, or you're a leader in a business that has a, a neurodiverse condition. You need to be bold. you need to think outside the box. you need to um, take actions and take steps that maybe your competitors won't take. so you've got to be bold and then that whole innovation piece it's got to like I said think outside the box. you've got to think outside the constraints of the norm, you know change the way in which you ask for reports, change the way in which you uh, communicate, for example so for me as as somebody that's dyslexic, um, don't send me an email. Um, especially one that's more than two lines long, there's <laughs> very mm-hmm. little chance of me reading it, you know. Um I may skim read it and try and take out the 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 best part. But uh, rather send me a, a um a video inside the email that I can listen to the video and I oh, okay, that's what you're talking about. It it just it works with my brain. And so part of what I talk about and, and what I try to communicate is to help people understand how the brain or how the dyslexic and ADHD brain works, uh, from a neuro uh from a neuroscience perspective. What do we know? How do we know it? Why do we know it? Uh and to put all those together and then make that an inclusive but an innovative concept that people can work with. And then there's of course the the whole um idea of being inventive. You know, it's it's not we're not talking here about creative accounting. Uh, or, or anything like that. Yeah, I'm talking about. Um, you know, we've all got a brain, and our brains are the most wonderful environment. We all can think um, differently. We all can create wonderful ideas and and come up with amazing solutions. But most people don't try to push the edges of the boundary. You know, they don't try and push that that envelope to see how far they can stretch their thoughts and their ideas. And so that that the other thing about invention. Invention isn't create something new that's never existed before. It's just about taking something and and changing the 1% or or 2%. That's that's invention. You know, you're changing the use of something uh, and so on. And then obviously being unconstrained by previous ideas. You know, so many people say to me, but that didn't work last week or last year or uh, 10 years ago. It's not going to work now. You used to say it won't work now. You know, we tried um, sending uh, video emails to our staff rather than written emails. It didn't work last week, it's happening to the We used to say it one not work. it. just change the way in which you do things. But a lot of people are constrained by yesterday. And I, I'm saying, oh, guys, we've got to break out of that. You know, um, neurodiverse people generally are creative thinkers. Utilize that creativity. You know, you said a house has to have four walls? Um, you said a room has to have four walls and a roof a room can be you know could have five walls or six walls or, you know be creative be, just get out of those constraints so that's pretty much what it's about for me yeah
0: yeah and uh, something else that i really liked about what you mentioned there as well was uh sort of the uh the idea of that incremental change you know changing something by one or two percent moving forward because when you think about being yeah. inventive and you think about sort of innovation it isn't always sort of groundbreaking stuff that completely overhauls sort of processes It it is little incremental changes that over time give you an advantage.
1: Absolutely. You know, there's a a quote on the front of my book, uh, and it comes from Nelson Mandela. Um, He said, there's no passion to be found playing small uh, in setting for a life that is less than the one you're capable of living. And you know, some people take that and think, okay, I've got to make this massive change every single day, and every day I've got to get out of bed, and I've got to be running and, and, and pounding the pavement. And It's not about that. You know, making, um, making big change requires making small change first. And as you said, if you make those 1%, 2% changes every day or every week or even every year, you know, 10 years down the road, when you turn back and you look over your shoulder and you go, wow, look how far I've come. You know, and, and, and that, for me, is what it's about. Those it, you know, small incremental changes over time will always deliver the biggest results.
0: Exactly right Right. and that is rooted as well in sort of I guess personal experience too isn't it because obviously your business is sort of built on the personal experiences that you've had as you've alluded to earlier but of course you can't just go out and build a company overnight and launch all these incredible training programs that takes time it takes development and it takes a lot of patience.
1: Yeah absolutely right. Um, You know, I I, I was saying to somebody the other day I pretty much um, I started working my, my first job really was when i went to the military in 1980 Uh, and since then until now uh, most probably 80 percent of that time i've been self-employed i've worked for myself um built nine different companies but not one of those businesses was an overnight success or an overnight failure um it takes time to build up it it takes time to create momentum you know it's not like taking uh, a teaspoon of of uh, coffee out of a uh, a jug and putting it into a cup and pouring boiling water over it and you've got instant coffee doesn't work like that in life it doesn't work like any business uh, just those small little changes every day grows something fantastic uh, and, and and there was a case that i was a client I was working with a little while ago uh, pre pandemic um in oman uh and they they built one of the biggest uh, com- uh concrete companies in in the country. And I was talking to the original founder, and through his broken English, it was a bit of a challenge. But through his broken English, completely understood how long it took him to get to that place where it was just a fantastic company. And then people look at him and go, "Oh, you're an overnight success." No <laughs> such <a> thing. <laughs> yeah, um,
0: it, it takes time. So yeah, that's, that's um, how I see it. And do you think sometimes, um, especially for sort of new startup entrepreneurs, do you think that they can be a little bit guilty of sort of being sucked into that mentality of, you know, craving overnight success and sort of expecting to, you know, be making money quickly? And that can sometimes sort of be one of the early stumbling blocks to building a business.
1: Absolutely. Um, without question. But, uh, you know, a little while ago, um, I was... Uh, I, I came across a, a video, um, I think it was an advert on, on YouTube, and uh, I clicked on the link because I was quite interested to find out what this guy was talking about, and he was talking about all this fantastic success. I think he was in the, um, uh, I don't know, he was in the internet marketing kind of space, I think it was. And he was talking about all this fantastic um, success that his clients had had. And this person had um, had done $50,000 in a day, and this one had done $20,000 turnover in a day, just from all these ads that they were creating. And um, I I got hold of the guy, and I said to him, you know, uh, you're you're making all these claims. How long have those guys actually been in business before they started doing that? And he he went very quiet. He said, well, I've got to be honest with you to get to fifty thousand pound or dollars a day and most of those guys have been doing online advertising for seven eight nine years uh to get there and i think what happens is a lot of um, entrepreneurs a lot of young people a lot of older people coming into business for the first time see the bright lights they see oh well, this gee was look at this guy look how much money he's making or look at the car he's driving and if i start my business today by the end of next week i could i could be in the same place and it is such a rare thing that that happens. And I think we need to um, we need to help people to understand that. And I think as, as dyslexics and people with ADHD, we're probably the most guilty of um, chasing the bright light and, and go, oh, this will work on, oh, that'll work and oh, well, look how much money these guys are making and look how much money they're making and I can just, you know, I can jump in there, I can do all this stuff and I can put it all together and it's all going to happen overnight. And then they're disappointed when it doesn't. And I think, I think it's about educating people of the realities of, first of all, dyslexia and ADHD and other neurodiverse conditions, educating them about that so that they understand how their own brains work, and then educating them about the fact of business
0: and how that works and how it takes time to build it up. So, yeah, I, I totally agree with you there. Yeah, it's absolutely critical, isn't it? I mean, and that's not just for those with neurodiversity. I think that's for any business person, certainly. Definitely. And um, yeah. just yeah. kind of um, sort of flipping the uh, the book again, uh, Vic, and just talking sort of from the scenario of a business leader that may not be neurodiverse but may have sort of dyslexic staff members, for instance. I think it's yep. important that we also touch on the importance of making sure that you know you are wary of essentially their condition and their well-being for instance because since the pandemic that seems to be something that employees are increasingly aware of they are far more conscious about their own sort of well-being their own mortality and therefore if you as a business leader are not considering sort of their conditions their needs and their welfare you're going to see a lot more of this quiet quitting aren't you that we're seeing this sort of great resignation and uh, I think In the current climate where you know recruitment is very very difficult at the moment you've almost got to kind of bring this in as almost a risk management strategy retention is absolutely key isn't it
1: absolutely that um you know somebody one day said to me to be a leader you've got to jump out in front and you've got to run and everybody must just follow you you know the, the followers will follow you and and other people will fall by the wayside um but i i i just can't see it that way i for me, it's like if you if you look at a um, a shepherd in the kind of Middle Eastern context, um, you'll see the, the shepherds, they, they walk out front. They don't guide from the back. They walk out front. And they're either singing a song or they're blowing on a um, uh, like a penny whistle type thing. And the sheep and the goats follow behind them. But they don't just keep going and expect everything to just happen behind them they'll go and they'll turn around and they'll check and they'll make sure that everybody's, you know, sort of all their sheep and their goats are following behind them and they're all in good order. And none of them have got stuck in a, in a bush somewhere or, you know, so they'll take good care of their, their flock, uh, and then keep moving them forward in that same way. And, and the same is true, as you said, with, with business owners, with directors, with C-suite, with managers, um, You need to to be leading, you need to be moving forward, but on a regular basis, you need to be turning around and looking to see what's behind you, looking at the flock, looking at those people that are following you, those people that are in your team, and making sure that they are all well, that their mental health is in good order, that their physical health is in good order, that their uh, ability to do the job is in good order, and if you find those people, and and, and you got to look at it with a critical eye, are those people struggling? How are they doing? You know, ha- has something happened? They they're a little bit down in their energy today. Um, okay, so have a conversation. W- what's going on at home? You know, is there something affecting you? And and then try to encourage them, help them, change their job role, look at things from a different perspective, because that thing of quiet quitting is. So, in my view so related to um the well-being of the people in the team and if you don't look after their well-being people are just gonna pack up yeah i i sat had a conversation with somebody a little while ago and he people can't wait to get a job in his business he's in the um uh in the internet space they do a lot of design and build websites and that sort of thing and he was saying this He's got a queue of people waiting to work for him. He can't create enough jobs. But he also said that he doesn't pay the best in the industry. He doesn't give the best perks, but he treats these people well. And because he treats them well, he looks after them. He takes care of their them emotionally. People want to work for him. And I think when you do that, you can overcome this whole quiet quitting thing. Um, I think a lot of that is based around people needing to respond to emails after hours and, uh, you know, on weekends and all that kind of pressure that comes with it and and not being respected, you know? And I think that, that's kind of key to it. But, yeah, I agree with you, uh, Scott, in that regard, yeah.
0: And that sort of takes me on to sir, an, another question as well, actually. And um, it's mm-hmm. about sort of when we think about kind of change management, which is what you specialize in as well, Vic, I'm guessing that when it comes to the typical toxic leadership cultures that you find and you're having to try and turn around, is it more about the fact that these leaders that are encountering these difficulties are not doing certain things rather than they're sort of consciously or subconsciously sort of doing something badly. So, we talked about the importance of in the, uh, the anecdote with the Middle Eastern Shepherd there turning around regularly, checking on your people. Maybe it's about not necessarily that you're going out onto the shop floor you know, slapping everybody around the back of the head and mistreating them. It's more about maybe if you're yeah. not taking the effort to check up on them, that creates a toxic culture just as much, doesn't it? And so these are the Absolutely. little details that you've got to be aware yeah. of.
1: Yeah. You know, um, I, I think it, it, it takes a step. Um, I totally agree with you, by the way. Um, but I think it takes a step back from that as well. Um, if you If you want to be a good leader, Uh, and this is the first chapter in my book, if you want to be a good leader or you want to be a good manager, you've got to learn to, number one, lead yourself, and number two, manage yourself. Mm. Uh, You've got to to lead yourself in the sense of um, your attitude, your thoughts, your actions, your reactions. But you've also got to manage yourself in the same way. You've got to manage the, the, the stuff that comes out of your mouth. You've got to manage the way in which you conduct yourself. You've got to manage the way in which you um, you express yourself uh, You know, in, in terms of your body language. So all those things, lead yourself, manage yourself first. If you can do that, then you are much more able to turn around and see things in people uh, that they may not even recognize. You'll be able to see in them the opportunity to help them grow. You'll be able to see... Um, that they're not doing well and you'll be able to ask good questions because you've learned to manage yourself. And I think perhaps uh, the the toxic cultures that are uh, developed in a lot of places is because the leaders, the managers, the directors, they haven't learned to manage or lead themselves first. And I, I make a statement in the book that if you can't lead yourself, You've got no right to try and lead other people. And I think the same is true for managers. If you can't manage yourself, you can't manage your own workload, you can't manage your your own experience, how can you manage other people? So I think that's where it starts. And if you can create a – if you can't manage yourself, you can't lead yourself, you are going to create a toxic culture within yourself, and that toxic culture is going to outflow uh, onto other people around you. And so you're going to find that you're going to develop a toxic culture in the workplace. So I think if, you can, if, if people can learn that skill of manage or leading themselves, even even people who are dyslexic, ADHD, neurodiverse, people who are not, learn to lead yourself, learn to manage yourself, and you'll be able to then in, in, create an environment in which other people will grow and develop and their toxic culture
0: will go away. I do like that, actually, the idea that leadership has to sort of start from within, within the self. And I think um, a key facet of that is also the uh, the well-being thing that we've touched on as well, because yep. I suppose um, if you are not showing that you're prioritizing your own well-being as well and taking the step back to reflect and take a breather as and when you need to, those that you're yeah. working with aren't going to either. And uh, this is what I mean. I mean, this, this sort of creates that culture yeah. of burnout, doesn't it, of over-expectation where people sort of yeah. feel like they have to be answering emails after hours, like you said there.
1: Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, I, I came across a situation a little while ago. Um, the the uh, company that I was working with, they had a, um, a nurse in the company. And the nurse's responsibility was to do blood pressure checks and do uh, sort of general well-being checks and talk to the staff about the health and well-being and the food and, and drink and all that sort of stuff. Um, sadly, that nurse did not reflect the stuff that um, that she was trying to encourage other people to do. Her the way in which she ate was absolutely atrocious. Uh, you know, her her meal choices weren't the best. Uh, she um, she drank a fair amount of alcohol. Uh, she smoked like a chimney. Uh, and then she was trying to tell people how they should live their lives. And how could anybody respect it? How could anybody take that information from her and, and go, okay, I'm going to make these changes because I see that in you? And it's the same as the manager or the leader in a business that goes, you know, you should really read um, XYZ book or this, you know, this book will help you. If they haven't read it themselves, nobody's going to believe them. You know, listening to podcasts, Um, changing your mental attitude all those sort of things if you can't do it yourself you've got really no place to tell other
0: people to do it
1: so yeah I, I think that's kind of key to the whole thing
0: Food for thought isn't it for anybody who might run their own business or be aspiring to run their own business that might be tuning into this particular podcast today and uh, I'd just like to remind the uh, the listeners whilst we're here that uh, if anything that myself and Vic have covered today does particularly resonate with you and you have a comment to make or a question to ask, um, you can do that and submit that to us via leaderscouncil.co.uk uh, forward slash contact hyphen us and anything directed to Vic directly of course we'll forward on to him. Um, or you can also bring your own um, perspective directly to the discussion table if you wish to sit down with me and that would be via leaderscouncil.co.uk forward slash apply where you can apply to uh, to be on the programme as well. Um, For now Vic, it's a shame that um, our time on the show is starting to draw to a close because it's been really enlightening from my perspective and I'm sure everybody that's uh, tuning into this uh, does share that sentiment Um, but before um, I do let you go, I'd just yes. like to sort of get a little bit of our idea as to sort of what the uh, the next year might hold for you. And as you're working with business leaders on this change management, what's what's next?
1: So I've, um, in the next year, I've got three more books that I'll be, um, be writing. Mm. Uh, one of them's called Rethink, and that's the whole idea of um, a process that, uh, you know, the results start with your thoughts and how that all kind of flows out. Um, there's two other books in process. They haven't got names yet, but um, they're all around the whole idea of how your brain works and how that impacts uh, on your workplace. So that's uh, that's one side of stuff that's that's going on. Um, and I've got a, a, a number of new programs coming out, which will come back uh, come out in the next couple of months. Uh, all talking around uh, personal transformation uh, before cultural trans- transformation. So if you can change yourself you can change the culture within your organization. Uh, And if you can change the culture in your organization, you can actually change the organization. So uh, that's kind of what's coming down the path uh, in terms of what I'm doing. Uh, I've also got a a podcast, as I said earlier, and that podcast is growing and there's a lot of people uh, that I'm interviewing for that. So yeah, those are, those are kind of things that are coming down the road. Hopefully to get back to travel from the new year as well, because I, I love going overseas and, and delivering um, training and consulting in, in different countries. So yeah, that's coming down the road too, so yeah.
0: Fantastic, so plenty to uh, to aim at for sure. And uh, obviously Absolutely. for anybody tuning in as well, uh, do certainly uh, go and check out uh, Vic's podcast as well. I mean, I think you can find a link to that through your website, can't you, Vic? And that's the theaudaciouscompany.com, I think I'm right in saying is the best port of call for that.
1: Correct, theaudaciouscompany.com, the website's just going through a bit of a transformation at the moment. Um, all the links will be available on the pod, on the website in uh, two weeks' time. Um, we just, as I say, it's going through a, a change at the moment. So those things will be there. But the podcasts are also on my LinkedIn page. So, um, yeah, if anybody wants to find me, I'm all over LinkedIn like a cheap suit
0: fantastic all change all transformation i think it's fair to say and it's been brilliant to discuss all absolutely. things um, all things around those uh, two topics with you today vic and uh, do indeed uh, take care and uh, i am certainly relish the opportunity to welcome you back in the program in future and just see how things are all coming together with the new books and new programs and how that's all being embraced
1: well scott thanks very much for the opportunity to share some of these ideas on the show it's been absolutely brilliant chatting with you and uh... Yeah, as I say, thank very much.
0: Likewise, Vic, and thank you ever so much for your time and joining us on today's episode of the Leaders Council podcast. And to all of the listeners that have been engaging with us today, I've been your host, as always, Scott Chaloner, on today's show. And until next time, I'll be back with a whole new perspective on leadership. Do take care, all, and goodbye.